0: Are wearable tracking devices that provide data for sleep helpful? In today's episode, we will answer three questions. How does glucose interplay with sleep? How is the ultrahuman ring different from the aura ring? What are the 10 key inputs in ultrahuman and how can these help you? Mohit Kumar is the founder and CEO of UltraHuman. UltraHuman is an India-based company to release a wearable that tracks sleep. They've done deep research into how sleep and glucose are interrelated. UltraHuman is a metabolic fitness company which helps people reach optimal metabolic fitness. I felt Mohit was the perfect person to speak about the connection between variables, data provided by variables, and sleep. Let's get started. Hey everyone, I'm Deepa Light Functional Medicine Practitioner, Author in New Guinea, and you're listening. Sleep Whisperer Podcast the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, Let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Mohit, welcome to the Sleep Whisperer podcast. I would love for you to jump first into talking a little bit about ultrahuman, your journey, what got you fascinated into looking at sleep diagnostics. And I do think that India needed something like this because there's so much emphasis on the aura ring all over the world. So what brought you into this space?
1: Yes. So uh, uh, it's a pleasure to be here, uh, Reepa. And I think... um, Uh, To tell you a little bit about uh, who we are, what we do, Um, so my personal journey goes back almost, if I may say, 10 years back when I started cycling uh, semi-professionally myself and uh, got into performance sports and that was the first time I was into uh, endurance sports and trying to push myself uh, and to understand more about my own body. And fast forward a few years, um, in parallel, I built uh, my own startup and basically sort of Um, got off sports for some time. I always had this uh, intention to get back to sports and fitness and health. And what I did for that was uh, after my first startup, essentially I uh, went to a martial arts camp training with a few athletes. And there I actually discovered that a lot of athletes are using biosensors to improve their health. And uh, they're also using it to improve their performance. And uh, out of the various biomarkers that seemed interesting, The two biomarkers that seemed very very interesting were a combination of hrv and glucose right Um, and uh, uh, i think sleep tracking was also pretty pretty much on the emerging trend back then right so uh, for, for us the first biomarker that we released essentially was a glucose biomarker and reason for that was that we felt that it is a highly actionable biomarker because Glucose gets impacted by your, like almost everything, right? Just because of human physiology and uh, uh, specifically your food as well. So it was the only way to measure or quantify some aspects of your food. And that's why we started with the glucose biomarker. Uh, Along the journey of the last two years, what we realized is that even that glucose is affected by uh, many, many factors. And of course, when I say glucose, I actually mean um, the ability to measure insulin sensitivity of an individual. Now, insulin sensitivity is affected by, of course, your um, your sleep, your stress, um, your uh, sort of like your muscle mass, all those factors as well, right? Um, and um, within those factors, what we realize is that if we just tell people that these are the foods that are going to give you a poor spike uh, versus the foods that are not go- going to give you a poor spike, it's, a, it's an incomplete picture of health. Given the fact that uh, some foods that might actually give you a spike might still give you a lot of micronutrient benefits. So the right way it might be that how, how do we actually make people more insulin sensitive by actually helping them metabolize the food that they actually want to eat essentially. right. So the natural answer was that can we fix other aspects of health as well, which is helping people fix their sleep, their recovery in combination with the insights of glucose so that they can track that if they're fixing their sleep, how much of the impact actually it has on their glucose. So That was the genesis of us thinking more about sleep and recovery and movement as other additional biomarkers on the platform. And um, um, the the first product we launched was almost one and a half years back. uh, Almost, you can say, uh, in in June last year, um, uh, which was the CGM and which uh, helped people measure the glucose biomarker. We released another hardware uh, in July this year uh, called the Ultra Human Ring, which essentially helps you measure your state of recovery, uh, sleep, uh, and movement and uh, so these are the biomarkers that we actually deal with
0: And uh, you know Mohit we I did an episode a while ago with Dr. Benjamin Bickman I don't know if you've heard of him he's quite uh, he speaks a lot about insulin and he's done a lot of work on insulin and uh, we we spoke in detail about the bi-directional aspect of insulin and sleep. Let's just look at what is your when you've looked at the data from, uh, you've had opportunity to look at so much of data in this connection between blood sugar, insulin and sleep, what have you discovered? How is it that sleep affects blood sugar, glucose metabolism, insulin sensitivity? Or is it that poor blood glucose metabolism impacts sleep? Is it both ways? What is actually happening?
1: Absolutely. So uh, let's look at the, uh, the observation data here. Right. So on, on both the ends, uh, what we know uh, from, th- from research essentially is that of course, there is a uh, sleep correlation with insulin sensitivity, sleep sufficiency, sleep quality correlation with insulin sensitivity. Now in data, how that appears is that uh, people who are chronically sleep deprived um, um, and even if they spend, like you can say, uh, weeks recovering from their sleep deficit, um, still see very, very minor increment in their insulin sensitivity improvement. Uh, on the other hand, just one night's uh, lack of uh, good sleep can actually affect insulin sensitivity. And we were measuring this uh, over the last few weeks uh, for, for the larger database that we have um, almost plummets by almost 15 to 90%. The same food is going to give you like a 20% poorer response. Uh, just with one night's like, like basically one night's sleep going wrong. So that's how sensitive uh, we are to lack of sleep. Or that's how sensitive we are to the quality of sleep, essentially, right? So on one hand, it's a very hard to improve biomarker. Even that, if you have been chronically sleep deficient, you can't sleep well for a week and then improve uh, your sleep quality to affect your insulin sensitivity. Whereas just to like reduce your insulin sensitivity, you just need a poor night's sleep, essentially, right? Um, so that's on one side the other side is uh, we have seen a clear correlation between glu- timing of glucose spikes and uh, people hitting a ratio of rem and deep uh, essentially in their sleep and that that pretty much happens because what we've seen is that when people hit a glucose spike pretty close to uh, when their sleep start time generally uh, what we've seen is that their resting heart uh, their heart rate actually drops much later um, and uh, because it drops very 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 late the problem is that uh, for people to get uh, let's say sort of like enough deep sleep that capability goes down over time so this is a marker that we have been trying to study like what is the ideal distance between a glycemic spike and uh, your sleep start and uh, interestingly this has proven to be uh, different for different people like for some people uh, we have seen inverse correlation as well whereas where elevated levels of glucose is actually pretty okay uh, and actually helps aid improve sleep quality to some extent. Uh, But uh, in majority, what we have seen is that having a little bit of space between your um, last glucose spike and your sleep start time helps you drop your heart rate uh, significantly faster and that affects your sleep quality.
0: I'd be so curious to see what are the other aspects that interplay with these differentiations in people. Uh, I myself haven't had opportunity to uh, use your device. I'd love for us to go into the device itself because you've introduced this ring. How is it different from the aura ring? What made you think of Uh, having one more sleep diagnostic tool and talk us through what what actually happens so we wear it what do we what what do we understand I know a lot of times Mohit that um, people have sleep diagnostic devices and they don't know what to do with the information so I have had people send me some of that information they say I get all of this but I have no idea what am I supposed to do with it so maybe talk Talk us through, uh, as you would guide me as a new user to the ring and uh, what can I expect? What do I look at? How is it going to help me? How is it different from the aura ring?
1: Absolutely. So the difference. Okay. The architecture with which the platform is built is that there is there are input biomarkers. So for example, your lifestyle, uh, you can divide your lifestyle into let's say 10 different biomarkers, right? Uh, like sleep, stress, recovery, movement, et cetera, right? Uh, Then there are some, uh, you can say, output biomarkers in terms of glucose metabolism being an output biomarker in some cases, because all of these input biomarkers affect the output biomarkers, right? And there are some outcome biomarkers that we call essentially, right? So the outcome ones are essentially, what is the impact of lack of glucose, uh, let's say, disposal or insulin sensitivity in your body? Right. So that is an outcome. Increased insulin sensitivity is an outcome, decreased insulin sensitivity is an outcome, right? It's at three layers. So input, output and outcome, right? Uh, At the at the first version of the platform, we had the output parameters, like essentially, this is what my insulin sensitivity is. And hence, this is the state of my health, right? My insulin sensitivity affects my uh, various cardiovascular parameters, my, uh, my state of metabolic, uh, like health, etc, right? Uh, all those factors. Uh, in some cases, uh, you can see correlation between visceral fat, uh, correlation between various uh, liver enzyme factors, etc, along with insulin sensitivity, right? Because that had correlation with your, uh, uh, like you can say, fatty liver disorders, etc, cetera, etc, cetera, as well, right? Uh, we never had a view on input biomarkers. And the first iteration in our head was that there's so many ways to get input biomarkers. Why don't we just go out and look for let's say an aura ring or a whoop device or an Apple watch, et cetera, right? And we realized after integrating some of these biomarkers, and if you have followed the evolution of the platform is that the first version that came out was with third party variables, right? To extract data and to integrate all of these data sources. And what we realized is that we need much more control over the data sources, because if you want to create, uh, let's say deeper correlations, like the one we spoke about, just before this, right, that I want to measure the difference between a glucose spike and uh, basically uh, when the heart rate dropped to its minima. And I want to measure this and create like a personal profile for people because then food timing could be customized for every individual potentially, right? Um, now, this control is not sort of like there in a third party platform because um, the third party platforms essentially optimize for their own end goal. So, in case of Aura, for example, it's a sleep tracking platform they try mostly optimize for sleep performance. Whereas in our case, the outcome and the uh, the output and the outcome is around insulin sensitivity, right? So the biomarkers need to be interpreted slightly differently. So this slight difference in interpretation is actually huge when it comes to implementation on the hardware front. Uh, also in terms of like uh, how you use uh, metabolic parameters like temperature, for example, right? But they use it to improve your sleep quality, whether they use it to understand thermogenic effects of different activities that you do so all those are you can say fundamental differences on both the hardware and the software front Uh, but um, in the ideal world we would want people to uh, actually use both Um, use aura for improved sleep performance Uh, but if you want to uh, understand more about your metabolism and how various biomarkers affect your metabolism essentially i think then the ultra ring is for you
0: and have you noticed anything where there have been uh, inputs you've received where people have improved their sleep quality as a result of using the ring?
1: So absolutely. I think uh, what uh, I think what we have seen generally, and the ring is in uh, right now in pre-order, and I think the actual consumer orders start getting shipped um, this month. Um, and uh, what we have seen with limited user testing till now is that... Uh, the platform gives you a view on your recovery at the very core. Uh, in, and that recovery is correlated with your glucose, um, in your glucose performance score, and in some ways, your what we call as metabolic score, which is the score of your metabolism, right? So the higher the metabolism score, the more efficient your metabolism is. When people see this correlation, people generally see that, oh, reducing sleep um, means poorer metabolism by default. On days people have lower sleep, the metabolic score also plummets. On days people have higher metabolic score. Interestingly, this sleep score is also significantly higher. So it's both ways, right? Uh, on on one side, the correlation is much stronger. So sleep affects metabolic score always, but metabolic score might not always affect uh, sleep score because you can be ketogenic and your metabolic score will be higher, and uh, you might be sleeping very very less essentially, right? So what we have seen is that uh, given that there, there are like one fact, one side, there is hundred percent dependency on the other side. There is at least 50, 60% dependency between both the scores. Uh, when people start using the platform, uh, generally they start optimizing their lifestyle by looking at their metabolism, metabolism and their food uh, quite carefully and seeing impact on their sleep. Um, and the sleep tracking happens as a step two, not as a step one. So people start with optimizing their metabolism. And then look at uh, like, oh, there there are additional factors to optimize the metabolism, which is essentially sleep and everything else.
0: And I think what I got from that Mohit is that the importance of sleep can never be questioned because obviously if you're saying that that correlation where sleep always impacts metabolic health, that shows us how vital sleep is. And I do want to ask you, uh, when you said that people do see the score, the metabolic uh, value, the um, number drops if sleep has been poor quality. is this is a source of stress for people because a common thing that I hear when someone is using a sleep tracking device is that uh, I just tend to get more stressed when I see that I haven't slept properly. Uh, i don't know what to do to improve it and it's just keep making me highly stressed when i wake up and see that i've had a poor sleep score so any thoughts about that because this is a common problem that i hear with yeah. a lot of sleep diagnostic devices
1: absolutely and the so the feedback here is actually pretty interesting uh, if you look at the behavioral psychology of number tracking not just health right Uh, let's use, for example, another domain called business finance. Um, Tracking numbers is often stressful. And the reality is that this is the stress uh, that is a change element, right? The number is actually asking you to change something in your life. And that change is always stress because it's not in your comfort zone, right? It is trying to push you out of your comfort zone and telling you that, oh, this is why you should not be where you are. You should actually improve from here. Right Now, the behavioral psychology here is that at different stages of uh, your mindset, you need different triggers. So somebody who's already, uh, you can say in a spiral, in a downward spiral, might not get motivated enough to cross this, might actually get demotivated further if they see that they are not doing well enough, essentially, right? So this is the reason why we have to be extremely careful with what we communicate. So instead of saying that, um, like you have had poor sleep score or poor sleep performance, you can say that today is the day for unwinding or today is the day for basically uh, doing flow movements or focusing on your recovery. Uh, it's a great day to focus on your recovery. Right? Um, I think that would be a much better pitch to people who are actually trying to figure how to get out of this downward spiral. The people who are highly motivated, they actually love this because they want to compete with themselves, right? They want to better themselves out. So uh, there is no 100% answer here, but I think as long as we customize enough for both the both the extremas, I think we will be good. Because the people in the middle actually try to uh, gravitate towards either the extreme, uh, you can say extremely self-disciplined side or let's say the, the, the downward spiral side. And uh, in, on both the sides, if we actually uh, in in in, uh, in in medicine, there is this uh, thesis. There is this uh, methodology uh, called salutogenesis, right, which is positive reinforcement. Uh, and if we follow the same principles of salutogenesis, I think we will, will be. Uh, I think we should be able to influence behavioral psychology in the right way.
0: I do want to ask you before we go into what, how, how does your um, diagnostic and feedback actually help people improve sleep? You mentioned the input, Mohit. So I'd love for us to talk a little bit about that. You mentioned that there are 10 inputs that you give. Uh, How do we give it? Is it something that, uh, what are they? Um, can we we do have a tendency to exaggerate on some of these aspects we're not quite truthful to ourselves so is it exact science that is fed in is it general information I'd love to go into those 10 inputs that you mentioned
1: right So, I think I'll talk about the most important ones so at the very outset um, we focus on sleep efficiency so which is the time you spend in your bed versus the time you spent actually sleeping, right? And the the uh, the transaction or in a, you can say the experience that we want for people to have is when they go to sleep, there should be minimal, lat- minimal latency, right? So you go to the bed, um, you, get, you go to sleep and sort of like there is no sort of like latency between your time to bed and time to sleep. Um, and that's one marker of efficiency. So it's essentially your sleep time by your total time in your bed, essentially, right? Uh, The other marker is your total sleep. So now that we know that uh, um, there is this adenosine clearance pathway, right? During your sleep, that actually happens. And uh, there is significance of uh, adenosine clearance actually happening. Uh, At the same time, there is significance of volume of that happening. So if it's, if you sleep for four hours, you had a great night. Like basically you had a, a four hour super efficient sleep, but you didn't have enough volume of sleep. It's a problem, right? So then we have a little bit of factor around total sleep as well. Um, it's not like it's the only factor, but then it's a, it's an important factor. The third one is... Hold on, uh, Mohit, so that- wait,
0: wait, wait. I'm going to stop you for a second because you spoke about total sleep. And I do want to ask you this. Is How is that decided? Yeah. Is it... Um, you Know there's so much um, information all around today on how we have different types. Some of us are meant to sleep less, some of us sleep more. Even in ancient wisdom. Ayurveda, there is that the Vata people will tend to sleep just six to seven hours, Pitta will sleep just eight to nine hours, Kafals tend to oversleep. So, uh, how what how what is your vision behind this? How how do I know that? Is it, am I one of many? Am I being recognized for the fact that I might have certain uniqueness to this?
1: Absolutely. It's a great question because uh, there are so many variances to this, right? This is highly personalized, right? So for some people nap works, some people does not. Some people eight hours works, nine hours works. Some people actually need 10 hours essentially, right? And at different points of the day. Uh, the right way to actually do this is to actually learn it for every individual. Right. Uh, and what we do on the ultra human ring platform is that we actually use your total sleep duration, uh, and correlate it with your HRV recovery over time, essentially your HRV balance, not to- totally your HRV recovery, but HRV balance. So, uh, what is the volume of sleep? If you fix the quality of sleep as a benchmark and what volume of sleep actually affects your HRV balance is what we try to. Learn for every individual. Now, what you realize is that if you have approximately 45 to 46 days of continuous sleep on the platform, uh, and it, it needs to be continuous because then we would want to study it night overnight because every night has a previous nights factor as well. Uh, we can actually understand what is the right sleep duration for you and what format of sleeping actually works really well for you. Uh, of course it gets more accurate as you give us more data points, but then 45 is sort of like, you can say. Uh, a critical benchmark in many ways right um, and somewhere around 50 days is what we can say. So once we have that, we actually understand that oh if I sleep for four hours, I'm actually pretty recovered uh, my hrV uh, from an hrV balance perspective I know that's one factor of health but it's a, it's a significant factor. So from a temperature recovery perspective, temperature biomarker perspective plus hrV balance perspective, if I'm recovering fairly well, with four hours of sleep, uh, that might actually not be a bad thing, um, and we would still have some factor for more sleep. Um, but then your your weightages for less sleep might not actually be bad. So, which is basically you won't get penalized as much. So that's what we have done on the platform. That the platform keeps evolving your score over time as it understands how your sleep affects your health.
0: Let's get back to the third aspect.
1: Absolutely. So I think the third aspect is your you can say the restorative part of your sleep, which is your REM and your deep sleep. So if you're getting we you can say enough uh, sleep hours, but not getting enough REM and deep, um, it's it's going to not be as restorative as you would want, right So that volume ratio, uh, there are various studies on this, like there's various studies around uh, the restorative part of your sleep being at least 40 percent to be restorative enough. Um, in asian people uh, there is a study around uh, it has to be somewhere around 50 percent and plus there is a 10 percent delta so we're trying to figure out like as we go geography to geography uh, are there any um, like you can say uh, differences in terms of uh, genetic uh, racial differences oh, especially in terms of I yeah love so that, that. Really in fact
0: i think right off the top of my head i thought of asian people and who just generally have probably less optimal metabolic health they do have much lower insulin sensitivity so it might just be to do with blood sugar itself
1: absolutely and i think this could be a huge um, you can say a lower hanging fruit for our health given the fact that uh, it might just be true that we are extremely sensitive to light and sleep we already know that by the way because we had um like because of melanin in our skin We are extremely light sensitive, right? And uh, because we're extremely light sensitive, um, I mean, we might just be much more sleep sensitive as well. So so this is non-conclusive today, but we might actually figure out more methods as we actually expand and figure out in in some ways, what is your personalized sleep chronotype or let's say your genotype of, of, of your sleep in many ways, right? So what is the type of sleep that actually works for you? Um, and extend that to populations then.
0: i love to go through all of them. I know we are, we don't have too much time, but I would like you to give an overview of all of it.
1: Absolutely. So I think the last few, just cooking, covering them quickly, would be around your temperature. Um, when did your heart rate drop uh, and uh, sort of like your HRV balance? These are the three factors. Temperature is pretty straightforward. But I, I really do, I
0: would love to talk about temperature, Mohit, because yes, yeah. we do have research which shows about the whole connection between core body temperature and sleep, but there's so many nuances to this, right? I mean, even if you look back at Ayurveda, you can see differentiations clearly based on body constitution, location, environment, age. I mean, there's so many factors. How do we get all of these to play a role?
1: Absolutely. Uh, the general, okay, so starting with the general wisdom here is that uh, uh, when you get to the, uh, especially get to the deep sleep or slow wave sleep zone, uh, you should sort of like have a drop in the temperature in terms of cold temperature drop. And that's why if you followed the companies in this space, there are companies like Eight Sleep that work on uh, thermoregulation. So they create an artificial environment where the temperature drops because of your mattress, right? Uh, Not totally assisted by your body. Um, So that's a way. And I think uh, personally, I have experienced uh, really interesting insights uh, when actually sleeping at very, very cold temperatures. Uh, So, uh, I mean, first of all, you don't feel it as much, but then your HRV balance is much better, essentially. Uh, So I've seen, definitely seen um, uh, an impact on my health, but I've also seen reverse uh, happening in many many people who are actually using thermoregulation and um, uh, i think again just like sleep and the rem and sleep uh, need for every individual is different rem and I mean, deep need for every individual is different we might actually figure out the thermo uh, you can say the uh, the the type of uh, thermoregulation that is required for each one of us might actually be different some people want to sleep cold some people want to sleep a little bit on the warmer side right And uh, there are so many studies around threat perception around this, right? So it's all related to your chronotype, threat perception, all those scenarios. Like if your chronotype says that you are supposed to sleep late, naturally uh, you will end up in a scenario where you're going to sleep a little bit more colder, right? Uh, Given the fact that your sleep start time is actually on the colder side, right? Um, And when your deep sleep lands is actually uh, sort of like correlated in some ways to uh, your sleep timing and the reverse as well, which is basically if you sleep a little bit early, obviously, if you wake up much earlier, uh, you will not sort of like have the coldest part of the night being uh, overlapping with your sleep essentially. Right. So all those factors determine uh, today, we don't have enough evidence. uh, This is the honest truth uh, that what is the right temperature profile for people? Right. Uh, But I think um, to your point, as we understand people and their environment in a much better way. You know uh, we will be able to affect health passively for people so while people are not focusing on their health their health is actually improving because each one of these factors might actually compound over time right uh, without any active effort
0: and you know mohit we've had people with such contradictory views on sleep chronotypes on the podcast where there are people who vehemently said that they don't believe in that concept that Uh, hormone regulation shifts when they shift their sleep cycle so we've had all sorts of views and I don't want to go into that however I did think that the thermoregulation is a topic for another day maybe to have you back because I would love to debate you on You said that, you know, we don't use the body in some cases where we use these external aids like a chili pad or something which does that job for us. And I would possibly love to challenge you uh, in terms of how we can use several tools from ancient wisdom to maintain uh, temperature regulations. I think we should have a friendly debate on another day. But to close this episode, I would love for you to share how does the ultra-human ring uh, help people improve their sleep with the feedback that they get on a day-to-day basis?
1: Absolutely. So I think at the very core, uh, the ring is a a minimal, if you can see it on my finger as well, it's very, very minimal, right? So it's hardly noticeable after a few days of usage. So it's very sleep-friendly. Uh, It doesn't have a screen, um, so essentially, it does not disrupt your sleep. No notifications, no buzzers, etc. The core of the sleep tracking and sleep uh, quality improvement uh, capability of the platform is around telling you how sleep impacts your health at the very core, right? Uh, And In a very, very actionable way. So the platform tells you that, oh, your sleep timing uh, could be slightly different. And if that happens, um, here's the recommended sleep timing for you. And if you sleep or into that routine, it might actually turn out to be much better. Just try it out. It might not be true always, but if you try it out, you'll be able to validate it because you'll see impact in your HRV balance. Similarly, uh, a lot of people don't even realize that, oh, it's just one night's sleep. How's that bad for me? I will just sleep on Sundays and Saturdays. The weekend is coming. The entire week I'll hustle and and just sleep it out on Saturday and Sunday. Now it can't be farther away from truth because uh, you can't, in some ways, you can't outsleep uh, your chronic sleep deficiency, right? Um, and uh, this is a problem because um, a lot of people actually live their lives according to that principle, right? So if you are able to help people uh, today to visualize what what is one night's sleep worth, right? And I'll go back to Actually, Matthew Walker's statement on this, where he actually says that um, our default statement actually be sleep. It's not the wakeful state, right? So that's how important sleep could be, right? If you're able to make people understand that maybe in the future, people would understand that sleep is not just a thing that they do about their health, but probably the main thing that they need to do. And uh, everything that we do in the day is to actually improve sleep performance, right? That's an alternate view. Right? So to have a great night's sleep, you will eat the right kind of foods, you will exercise the right way. Uh, you'll set up your sleep environment in the right way. Uh, you'll actually deal with devices that do not disrupt your sleep. Today, most devices do disrupt your sleep. But eventually, when the importance increases, most devices will understand, and most manufacturers will understand and companies will understand how to gen- like design devices that will not disrupt your sleep. So I think this revolution is what we want to create in this space, right? Um, with 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 our Ultra Human Ring and the sleep tracking capability on the platform.
0: Great! And where can people find and know more about Ultra Human and get the device?
1: So you can find it on ultrahuman.com uh, and uh, uh, also on ultrahuman.com/ring. So both the places. Uh, currently, the platform is on pre-orders, um, and um, I think uh, you, if you are from India, you will obviously get it much faster. Uh, India and UAE and then of course we're launching in other geographies. We, have, I mean it's available for global shipping but I think uh, in the next few months we should be able to ship much faster in other geographies as well.
0: Great. Thank you Mohit for being here, giving us your time. Wish you all the very best with Ultra Human Ring. Great to have you on the show today.
1: All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I had a great time.
0: In this episode, Mohit spoke about the ultra-human device in detail. Here's my perspective on wearables if you struggle with sleep. I have noticed several times over that wearables can increase stress in someone struggling with complex sleep challenges. No matter how wonderful data might be, if this is you, and you prefer not to look at the data until you improve your sleep, listen to your instinct. Worry increases vata dosha and increased vata dosha impacts sleep. Sleep does have physiological roots which can be different in each person. If you'd like to know more, schedule a strategy call to explore how I help my clients tease apart their unique roots of sleep challenges. Write to support at phytothrive.com. Have a great day. Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show today. Just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional. This information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or the professional advice or services. If you are looking for personal help on your health journey, do seek out a qualified professional. Please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional. It is in no way intended as medical advice or a treatment or cure for any condition. Be sure to always directly work with a qualified practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding if you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com it is important that you have someone who's qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care especially when it comes to chronic health condition Be sure to subscribe to the Sleep Whisperer podcast on your favorite podcast app to get each episode as soon as it launches.